The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my program. On the line with me right now is Pastor Jim Garlow. He was with me about a month ago. The world has changed a lot since then, with Roe v. Wade happening on the 24th of June. Reversal, I should say, of Roe v. Wade. That was big stuff. So, Pastor Garlow, it is great to have you on the line today. Well, it's an honor to be with you, my friend. And I know we talked about this last time. I want to hit it up front, and then we'll go to some of the topics. But you're hosting later this month in Virginia a big, well-versed conference. Tell us about that one more time. Yes, uh, day one of the conference, it's called Future Conference, is how to respond biblically or scripturally to every political topic. It's a crash course. A number of members of Congress are coming to speak. They're TED Talks. That means they're 10-minute they're talks. But they're going to equip you how to respond biblically or scripturally to all the political topics of the day. That's number one. Day two, this is July 20, then now day two, July 21, at the Future Conference, is going to be how to keep from being canceled or marginalized in our present cancel culture, how to keep your bank account from being frozen, how to have your, keep your communications from being cut off, how to keep your health care from being cut off, how to keep your doctor from being canceled or his license or her license taken if they don't want to take the jab, uh, how to deal with the educational crisis. And if your kid's forced to learn certain things or forced into school or forced out of school, uh, everything from your health care, your banking, energy, housing, all these areas of cancellation that are happening to Christians. Christians are being fired, people with values fired right and left as totalitarian authoritarianism increases across the entire globe. How mm-hmm. to stay ahead on that? So that's the future conference. It's, they can go to wellverse. That's with a D on the end. Wellversedworld.org. That's wellversedworld.org. And they scroll down a little bit, and they'll see the word future conference. Click on that, and it'll give them all the information about day one. Uh, I mentioned day two. Plus, there's a tour included in the price of Washington D.C. And in day three, our special tours of the home of Thomas Jefferson. Monticello, and the tours of Mount, of Mount Vernon, George Washington. We have special lectures on uncanceling Thomas Jefferson, uncanceling George Washington. Or you can take a, an optional tour, Museum of the Bible, as well. Oh, so it's oh a, man. It's sort of three one-day conferences back-to-back. That's wellversedworld.org. 45 speakers. They can click on wellversedworld.org and then futures, Future Conference. And if they cannot come, we sure hope they can come, July 20, 21, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Arlington, Virginia, just right outside Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. But if they can't come, they can watch it from the comfort of their living room online. And all the information right there on either hotels uh, or all the information and, and online, if they just go to wellversedworld.org and uh, scroll down until they see the word Future Conference, and it's all right there. I'm thinking if you're living in California, they're about ready now to make uh, uh, all of these truckers who have not received the jab, they're going to make them be fired. And what is that going to do to our country 
when the the people that are over the the local governments are not listening. That's going to be something that I I think these these speakers will be really helping people with, right? Exactly. Knowledge is power. Knowledge breeds confidence. And we're going to talk about some really tough things, but the future belongs to those who are prepared for it. The ostrich approach, sticking your head in the sand, just doesn't ever end well. And so we're going to talk about some things that are quite frankly, unpleasant. Now, to help us keep our eyes on the Lord, I've allowed time between every speaker for our resident pastor, pastors that are sort of chaplains on, on site for our future conference to lead us to the Lord, whether it's in prayer or apostolic declaration or praise report or exhortation or something to, get us, to keep us focused on the Word and to keep focused on Jesus in the midst of all this. So we don't just want to jump off a cliff. That's not a good option either. And so we want to keep our eyes on the Lord in the midst of being realistic about what we're facing. This, this conference is not going to uh, cause fear. It's going to breed confidence because knowledge always breeds confidence when it's good, healthy knowledge. So we, we're at a, a place right now when you consider how the citizens of Aust- Australia are being treated, what Trudeau is doing in Canada, what's happening across Western Europe, with pastors being arrested in Canada right now, within the Netherlands, the government taking on the farmland and not allowing the farmers, with Bill Gates buying up the farmland, with the energy prices going out of control, with your health care in real question, with no borders left in our country. You consider all this going on. We are in a radically changing environment. It has radically altered. I used the word a few moments ago. Totalitarian authoritarianism has grown rapidly around the entire globe. This is intentional. It is demonic. It was planned, Yes, and uh, we had better be prepared. And what you do is you organize with small groups of people, and you prepare for this. A person who prepares for himself, his family, his neighbors out of love for Christ is doing a righteous and holy act. And we need to be knowledgeable, and we need to be prepared. Most of the people listening to me have car insurance. They hope they don't use it. They have health insurance. They hope they don't use it. They have life insurance. They hope they don't use it. The fact is, it's better to have insurance and not use it than to wish you had it and not have it. This conference is cancellation insurance. If you get fired, you get canceled, you get cut off from your health care, if you get cut off from educational opportunities, if you get cut off from your banking is frozen, Nick Vujek, for example, a well-known inspirational speaker who has no arms and no legs, mm-hmm. on April 2019, woke up that morning. His bank account was frozen. His credit cards and his debit cards would not work. They didn't like his views. They cut him off. And that's happened to – we. I've been told up to 350 different organizations. It happened to thousands in Canada. It can happen globally, and it can happen to the people listening right now. How do you stay ahead of that? What are your options? So we've got speakers with quite a bit of technical understanding. Now, they're brief. There we go through these speakers very quickly, and it's to make people aware of all these issues. And it's not to create fear. It's to create boldness and confidence in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I don't think anyone is enjoying the season right now with inflations at an all-time high. Like you said, the list of things that have gone on the last 18 months, it's mind-boggling how fast all of this has happened 
rampant inflation, opening of the southern borders, the whole mess in Afghanistan, and the supply chain crisis, people are finding it difficult to do so right now because they're not available. This is a, this is a crazy time, isn't it? I'm, I'm hoping today to find that the paper supply chain is sufficiently healed that I'm able for the first time in months to order my own book, Well-Versed, which is to be offered at this very conference. Our ministry is called Well-Versed. Wellversedworld.org is our website. We can't even get – I can't even get my own books oh, because wow. of the condition. Biden has turned this country into a third-world country almost overnight, is almost succeeding. What's being cut off from us is energy sources, finances, and food supply. When you look what is happening to the food supply, the secular sources – not Christians that are prophets that are prophesying. The secular sources are telling us we have a major calamity coming mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah. And so we, we, the analogy I'd like to give is the first day of the conference is offensive. The second day is defensive. You've got to have a good offense and defense. Or if I can use bird analogy, I mentioned the ostrich approach. The second day of the conference is called the uh, uh, albatross moment. The albatross is a bird in Australia that can fly in the midst of a tsunami above it for five to six years without landing. You heard me right, five to six years. Wow. And we Christians, we as Christians, have to create an alternative universe, a parallel universe in which we not only survive, but we will thrive if we stand with each other properly. So day two of the conference is the albatross moment to be able to not land, have to land for five to six years, so to speak and that we literally have the capacity to create an alternative universe where believers are able to function in our society without the normal props that we're used to having around us. So this is a—most many Americans get it. They see what's happening. They're not exactly sure what to do, but they see that something is going very badly wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news is God is still my banker and Jesus is still Lord. So that's the good news. But we also have to be prudent and prepare in the midst of the storm that we find ourselves in. And that's the purpose of, of the future conference, wellversedworld.org. And then scroll down. Do you see the word future conference? Click on that one. It's not too late for people to register and come. Arlington, Virginia, July 20 and 21. Now, the next day is the tour to uh, Jefferson's Monticello. Mm-hmm. Home in Washington's Mount Vernon. They can go on those two, but the, the key days are July 20 and 21. They can register right now, and they can even register to watch it online. 45 or so speakers, very rich in content, very carefully selected speakers, most of them only speaking, many of them only speaking 10 minutes. So it's rapid fire with a lot of information coming in short order. We'll give that website out once more so that people can get it. My guest today is Dr. Jim Garlow, a longtime pastor now leading this well-versed ministry that he has mentioned. When you and I talked about, oh, just a little over 30 days ago, the world was in anticipation then as to what America was going to do with regards to the Supreme Court. And I think the findings, when you actually read some of the, uh, the words that came from Justice Alito on that uh, June 24th overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, it was, it was uh, stunning, was it not? And I'm sure that's going to be something that will be touched on, at least uh, from uh, the standpoint of some of your speakers uh, at your upcoming conference, right? 
Yes. I, I say it this way, and I'm going to be a little bit blunt. Any entity above the level of an amoeba ought to have the intelligence to know that abortion is not in the Constitution, nor is same-sex marriage. There was no right for any Roe v. Wade or Obergefell case as we had in 2015. Right. It's non-existent. They even used the word penumbra. Penumbra is a strange word which means a shadow. They tried to pull it out of the shadow of the Constitution. It isn't there, and every intelligent being knows that. That's number one. Number two, we need to be aware. Let's not just use the word abortion. I would like every person to understand what Joe Biden is supporting, what Nancy Pelosi, what Chuck Schumer, what anybody who supports this term abortion. I want you to go online and watch an abortion. Watch it. What the networks will never show is an actual abortion. They'll show everything else. They'll show gay pride parades with pride parades with people doing everything. They will not reveal what abortion really is. Watch a person going in and cutting up and dismembering another human being mm-hmm. with no anesthesia. This is as barbaric as it gets to the most innocent of human beings. And I don't even like to use the word abortion anymore. People are inoculated. We need to be blunt. What Joe Biden and others like him, and perhaps somebody listening, actually support is the the ripping apart limb by limb, cutting up a human body, stabbing them, jabbing them with scissors, and then sucking their brains out. This is what people support who support this word called abortion. This is murder. It's inexcusable. And praise God, we finally had some people who at least said Roe v. Wade is not legal. Now, that doesn't stop abortion, as we well know. It really puts it back to the states. And thank God there are some governors and some legislators that are sane enough and godly enough to put a stop to this murder. But it is murder, and everybody who is the least bit in favor or takes a so-called neutral position, which doesn't help the baby in the womb, go online. You can watch an actual abortion. Watch every second of it, and then tell me you're for the murdering of babies. We need to call this out for what it is. This is horrible. Mm. I, I've taken people on tours of Buchenwald. I watched taking people to Auschwitz, the concentration and the death camps in Germany. Someday, someday in the future, people are going to go through the abortuaries, the killing centers of America, and children are going to look at their grandparents and say, did you know about this? What did you do to put a stop to this? How could anybody tolerate this kind of thing? So we need to call it out for what it is. This is as evil as it gets. Hitler murdered 6 million. Now we in this country have murdered conservatively 63 million. Mm -hmm. It must stop. It must stop. And by God's grace, like you said, at least the national umbrella, giving it kind of uh, a protection from even some of the state's efforts to curb or maintain some sort of control, that is now over. And we thank God for that, like you said. And there are a lot of trigger laws that have gone into states, and yet we're still seeing some judges are coming up and they're stopping those laws. That happened here in Florida with a a judge stopping the law that was to go in place on July 1, which would have made abortion illegal after 15 weeks. Uh, And so the battle is on still. And we've heard also from the president that he's going to be uh, pushing back. And uh, this this just boggles my mind, uh, Dr. Jim. It it boggles my mind that the president of the United States 
would have such what is apparently a disregard for law that he would be encouraging the, de- the Department of Justice to push back on states who are actually doing what they're legally called on to do. That's just mind-boggling, is it not? Joe Biden has no regard for the law, and he has not. He has demonstrated that he has been in defiance of the Supreme Court and got by with it because the challenge is our branch, our, our executive branch of government is responsible for the enforcement of the law. Mm-hmm. Why, for example, is Hunter Biden accused of what he's accused of and no, no deep examination of that part of the FBI? The FBI is under Biden. This is this is an absolute unwillingness to apply the law in an even-handed way. It is it is tragic. We're in a national crisis. Because of that, and until Mr. Biden repents of that evil and applies the Constitution honestly, we are in a very serious situation where rule of law doesn't count. Consent of the governed mm-hmm. does not count. It's really referred to as a banana republic, and that's what we're facing. We have never faced anything quite like this before. It's so true. Pastor Jim Garlow, thank you so much for being with us. Give us the website one more time and it, the dates for your conference. The dates are July 2021, just coming next week, Wednesday and Thursday next week, and then there's an add-on day for tours. But July 20 and 21, Wednesday and Thursday, the website is well-versed. Now, versed has a D on the end, wellversedworld.org, wellversedworld.org. And if they scroll down just a little bit, so they see some pictures in future conference, they click on that, and all the future conference information comes up with all the topics, the tours that we're taking. There's D.C. tours that are part of it. There's tours of the Museum of the Bible, tours of Jefferson's home, of Washington's home, plus 45 speakers on a ton of topics, including a number of members of Congress. So they'll see it all there on the website. And if they cannot get to Washington, D.C., or actually Arlington, Virginia, to the Gate, it's called the Crystal Gateway Marriott Hotel, right by the Pentagon. If they can't get there, then they can watch from the comfort of their home, and we invite them to do so and sign up today. All right. Dr. Jim Garlow, thank you for being with me today. My honor to be with you, my brother. If you are nearing 65 years of age and need to compare Medicare supplement plans, here is great news. You can speak to a licensed professional independent insurance agent at Affordable One Insurance in Orlando. You'll find them to be so trustworthy and helpful. And at Affordable One, there is no cost or obligation for your call. Comparing plans can be confusing. Get the help you need at Affordable One. Call 407-965-4166. That's 407-965-4166. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. 
On the line with me right now, a doctor from Houston, Dr. Richard Urso. It's great to have you with us, sir. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I look forward uh, to having this discussion. You know, we have a lot of varied guests. A, a lot of them are talking, though, about the, the same kind of things and from obviously different perspectives. Yours a bit unique. You're a, a very much uh, educated doctor from the uh, Texas area. Again, you went to Villanova for your undergraduate went to, uh, I guess it was the University of Texas for your medical school, and now you're an ophthalmologist. You're a scientist, a sole inventor of an approved wound healing drug approved by the FDA. And with all of that, I, I believe that you qualify as someone who, who can really weigh in on something that is on the minds of so many people, and that is this whole vaccine thing. And I know that this is a concern for you and your your colleagues, right? Absolutely. Of course, uh, you know, the, this this whole process, this whole pandemic has been a very difficult process for science, for, for medicine. Um, we've been shut down from having a discussion. Um, and at first we were actually being told that there was no treatment. And I always tell everybody, that's like saying there's no treatment for hypertension. Wait for until you get a stroke and then and then we'll take care mm-hmm. of you. You don't have to cure a disease to mitigate damage. So one of the major uh, things that happened in this disease, and the reason why 900,000 people died, or almost a million now, is because the policies created uh, a, a situation where people were languishing at home. Uh, there's treatment uh, for inflammation. There's treatment for respiratory compromise. There's treatment for blood clotting, and you don't have to be in a hospital for that treatment. It's a major mistake in this pandemic. And then they pushed us towards this um, messenger RNA lipid nanoparticle product, which has lots of things that could potentially be wrong. And now they've been proven uh, to be wrong. And so there's there's a lot to to talk about, a lot to unravel. Um, And particularly the whole situation with children, Um, they have virtually zero risk, 0.1 per 100,000 risk, which is one in a million risk. And virtually no reward because most of the children have already had it. Eighty percent of children mm-hmm. have had COVID virus. What happens when you give a vaccine to somebody who's already had immunity is you're going to get a hyperimmune response. You are going to kill children if you mandate a vaccine and people who've already had the vaccine. A small proportion of them will die from a hyperimmune response. That's what you're going to do. So it's dangerous what's happening. Um there's a lot of mistakes being made at the federal level in terms of messaging. Um, and we're here trying to help to fix that messaging. You know, when you think about what you've just said, it's enough to cause terror in the hearts of just about everyone. Number one, we were told this under the guise of this is what we need. This is expert uh, opinion. We've got the doctors here on the screen talking about it. And now we find out that there's a whole lot about what they told us was safe is not indeed safe. Uh, I I think it is one of the most concerning things in my entire lifetime that I've ever seen. And and it's all passing under the grade of government overview and watch. And it's like there is a subtle attempt, it would appear, to just go ahead and pass along something to everyone even children, that's what's mind-boggling to me, even children, 
at such a high risk. If I'm hearing you right, you're telling me that there is less than 1% chance that these kids are going to get this COVID uh, sickness because they're already immune to it. And yet they're being, uh, we are being told to give our kids these vaccines that are experimental at best. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's important that for me in my role, my biggest, uh, most important thing is stick to data. So the under fives, um, yeah, it's about 80% have already had COVID. They were never included. So Pfizer and Moderna went out of their way to make sure that those patients were not included in the study. They did that because they know that hyperimmune response can occur in that in that in that category oh where my. they've already had the virus. So they they're not included in any of the Pfizer or Moderna studies. If you've already had COVID, they eliminated those people from the study. You have to ask yourself why do they do that? Well, I can give you the simple answer: hyperimmune responses occur in people who already have it, and you give a um, a, a virus a vaccine to someone who's already had the virus. That's not a smart move. Some of those people are going to have a really bad response and it's called hyperimmune response. And if you look at the VAERS database, which shows that the vaccine is the most deadly vaccine rollout in the entire history of vaccine rollouts, um, is that that's, that's a fact. That's not my opinion. I don't have an opinion on it. It's just a fact. Um, and, and you'll see all the spike right around those first two days. And those are the hyperimmune responses. So it's really dangerous to do this in children who have, and I'll, I'll quote the numbers again, 0.1 per hundred thousand, which is one in a million risk infection fatality rate. So they don't die from the disease. Um, so at the end of the day, um, this is why it's very dangerous to give this to your children. They just don't need it. All risk, no reward. And this is not a smart decision. Um, and it's really up to some people to just stand up to the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and there's a lot of captures, regulatory capture going on. Um, it's very easy to see. And it, it happened innocently at first, but eventually these organizations have become like a tangled web. Um, and it's started in the 1980s. Um, I can tell you about it because I was around then. But basically they started, um, started the funding started coming for user fees from the pharmaceutical industry. And now um, at least 45% of funding to these organizations uh, and much more than that and, and, and some others are, are being provided for by the uh, pharmaceutical industry. So the people that are paying the salaries are the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. They also have the relationships with the patents, which was a great idea back in the 1980s. They said, hey, here's a smart employee for the federal government invented something, great scientist. And he's only going to get, you know, a, a standard salary. Wouldn't it be nice to give him one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year extra for for putting out a product that helped humanity? Sound like a great idea, which I believed was a great idea at the time. What ended up happening was now instead of a single author on these patents, you're getting twenty. You're getting somebody like Fauci getting four Remdesivir patents, his name on it. Uh, you know, collecting one hundred fifty per patent, making six hundred thousand dollars per year, mm -hmm. and. And this is just one from one medication. So these are the kind of things that we're seeing that at first it seemed like a good idea. But, you know, naturally people are, you know, one hand washes the other. Um, there's a sort of a creeping corruption. And now it's gotten to the level it's open corruption now where they actually had negative data in the children from six to 23 months. More kids um, had COVID in the uh vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group but they made special categories 
um, to get it passed. So they made special categories uh, that made it look like there was a little better improvement in some of the kids uh, that were vaccinated. So it's not true. And they didn't count any of the kids who had already been who already had COVID. So it's a lot to to un unravel, but it's mostly negative data. That's a big problem. Mm. Zero one per hundred thousand. Plus, I think parents need to know this this product, this is designed to go into the brain, designed to go into the bone marrow, designed to go into adrenals and ovaries. Cationic lipids are gonna do that. That's what they do. We we tried to do these things for carrying chemo to the brain. But unfortunately, what was happening was the chemotherapy was getting carried to ovaries, to adrenals, to bone marrow, wiping out those organs. So we decided, hey, let's not do that because we don't like, we can't control where it goes. So if you think you're getting the vaccine in your arm, only about 20% stays there. This has been proven. Study just recently shown the messenger RNA floating around in the blood, spike protein floating around in the blood after getting the vaccine. And the biggest study was the study from uh, in cell, one of our most impactful journals from Stanford, showing that spike protein was being produced under the arm of people two months later. So when people think they're getting it and that's all they get is 25 micrograms, no, you're producing this protein for days and weeks and months now. This is something that people need to understand as part of informed consent. You're not getting messenger RNA for for an hour for two hours for a day you're making this product for days and weeks and months so it's and almost that, like it's injecting a factory right in in your body then right oh i like that can i borrow that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean really it's it's like they're it's created created further created right in your own body after they give this and you know doctor i remember when this all first started coming up there were a number of articles some of which by what i know would have been in the evangelical world very trusted sources and i won't name them i'm not trying to embarrass them but there were articles to kind of make everyone feel a little bit more calm and maybe confident about this this uh, experimental vaccine, which we now know, and it still isn't a true vaccine, not in the definition of the word, and yet it's called that. It's called the vaccination. But we, we were told that this thing does not penetrate the DNA, that it sits on the outside, the spike protein sits on the outside of the cell wall and just works a defensive mechanism. But that's not what I'm hearing from you. So that's that's true. It's not it's not from me. This is I'm giving you I'm giving you the most impactful journal information that's out there. So I'm the deliverer. I'm not the actual inventor of this tech of this of this data. Mm -hmm. uh, but the data is in our most impactful journals. But I think the other thing you just said, I spoke about this early was <clears throat> reverse transcription. So I said it very gently and I said it, they asked me a certain question. Could it could it possibly reverse transcribed to our own DNA. And I said, well, messenger RNA, it's possible to have that happen. And in fact, retroviral DNA is 7% of our of our DNA. Uh, retroviruses have reverse transcribed in us for many years, and we've got about 7% of our genome is that. So it's possible. I said, I don't want to scare people because it's not been proven, but they're working on experimental models. Well, since then, we have three different experimental models that show it's very, and I was labeled an anti-vaxxer because of saying that. And I, I said it in a very gentle fashion. Um, and it turns out there's three experimental models and they show it easily re reverse transcribes into the liver 
Um, and, and this is something that um, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't want people to really be scared. I wanted them to be scared about the fact that it's going to your brain, your bone marrow, your adrenals, your ovaries, because these are things we know are happening. They already happened. Um, they're not hypothetical. It happened. We know that it's making spike protein for two months or more. It's already happened. This is, these are numbers we never expected. We know that it's causing blood clotting. We know that it's causing, um, we know that it's causing problems with neurologic problems because inflammation in the brain is happening because the product's getting into the brain. So of course it's going to cause inflammation. It's designed to cause inflammation in an antibody response. That's oh what it's God. designed to do. So this is what maybe one of the cause for what some people have, what they call COVID brain fog. It it uh, it makes them kind of you know not the same person in a, in a real way as they were before. They're not thinking as clearly. Their concentration is not as great. And one potential reason for it could be just because of the inflammation that's happening in the brain, right? Correct. And so for people who don't know, the lipid nanoparticle can slip through very tight junctions. I tell people lipid nanoparticles can slip through door cracks. That's what's in this gene therapy vaccine. But viruses are big and they can't slip through a door crack. They need an open door. So viruses don't get in the brain in very high numbers, if at all. In fact, if we have viruses that are able to get into a brain, they're so specialized that we actually say things like Eastern equine encephalitis, like, wow, this virus can get in the brain. So we don't say influenza encephalitis. It doesn't happen. So viruses, respiratory viruses don't go to brains. That's not what they do. But respiratory virus gene therapy vaccines, they do go to brains and they do create inflammation. That's it. There's no, it's not a question of doing it. It just does. Mm. Wow. All right. So we've got all these people, a lot of our listeners here in Florida. I'm sure it's true there in Texas as well. They've had this vaccine and for them, they're hearing this and I can only imagine what it does to the hearts of people who have had it, who may have not even wanted to have had it, but they had to take it because of a job or because of uh, just a word from their doctor that you really need to do this, and they did it. What happens to them now? What can they do? Is there anything that they can do to make their health better? Well, your own body is a wonderful thing. God's made us wonderful enough to figure out what to do most of the times. Okay. So you, you basically need to understand that if you keep doing it, it's only going to get worse. The third boosters, you get something called antibody dependent cytotoxicity. Now your body's saying, Hey, antibodies are not getting rid of this thing. Let's bring in cytotoxic T cells. Let's bring the natural killer cells back. Let's carpet bomb it with complement. Your body finds a way and says, Hey, this thing keeps happening. Just like if you keep walking on on barefoot on the ground, your body figures out a way to to figure out a way to to make it so your feet won't hurt. It toughens your feet up. You keep putting this stuff in your body. Your body will basically make it a, a it's will raise the ante. Not first gear, not second gear, but it goes to third, fourth, and fifth gear. Oh my goodness! So if you think of it this way, you'll understand that your body will also calm down. If you've ever had a a, a surgery. You know that once your body realizes that you're not going to go back and do another C-section, right? It the scar softens, it flattens. The body clears things. All right, your body's smart, so there's nothing you can do except take good care of yourself, um, take vitamin D3, um, and just wait it out and uh, eat well and those kind of things. But your body will take care of you, so you don't have to 
do anything special except take care of yourself and don't get any more of these things. Dr. Erso, thank you so much for this. It's so hard to hear. It's uh, not fun to hear, but I am encouraged that for many people who have not taken the boosters, it's not too late for them to minimize and maybe mitigate what's happened already. And we just pray that this wonderful body that God gave us is going to come away to uh, kind of work through all of what's happened. But thank you for this information. It's valuable. It's critical. I'd like to finish by saying, hey, we have a great group, um, Robert Malone, myself, Ryan Cole. We've co-founded the Global COVID Summit. Uh, it's globalcovidsummit.org. We have a lot of great information on that site um, if you're interested. Uh, also, um, flccc.net, Pierre Corey, um, and also uh, Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. So there's some places you can find this information to help you. Um, we look forward to talking again. I do. I'll be checking in with you again, Dr. Richard Urso. If you need help with your bookkeeping but can't afford to hire a full-time employee, The Good Books Company is your answer. The Good Books Company is a total bookkeeping solution, working with most industries and offering a free, no-obligation discovery session. The Good Books Company can help you clean up and catch up on all your bookkeeping needs. Visit them at goodbooks.com. That's goodbooks.com. Or call 321-356-0774. That's 321-356-0774. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. On the line with me right now is Ariel Del Turco. She's with the Family Research Council, and she's the Assistant Director for the Center of Religious Liberty. Ariel, it's a real honor to have you on our program. It's great to be with you today. Well, I'm I'm so glad we were able to connect and talk about these things. You are uh, obviously one who is very involved in this thing of religious freedom and writing about it and investigating areas where we're seeing it time and time again, not only in America, but around the world. It used to be we'd hear about it around the world. Now we're hearing it more and more about religious freedoms being threatened right here in the boundaries of the United States. Is that what you find as well? Yeah, well, I think that is a very important point, and it actually sparked our interest in uh, this project. I historically have looked at international religious freedom around the world, so these worst-case scenarios, uh, China, Iran, Pakistan, uh, these places where Christians are often uh, imprisoned and even tortured and sometimes killed in Nigeria. Uh, but we've really started turning our attention to the West as we see this 
heat slow slowly boiling of pressure that Christians are facing in the West. So we wanted to uh, really collect data on that and collect some numbers on what's happening to Christians in the West, particularly uh, by government. We're seeing this rise in what some describe as post-Christian culture. And what uh, was once a place where people respected churches and it was honorable to be said to be a part of a church, we're finding often that people are, are really not getting that kind of respect at all anymore. And I'm sure you're seeing that too. You're right. We looked at 34 countries that we consider to make up the West. So that's most of Europe, uh, the Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and the United States. And we identified, just since 2020, 99 instances of uh, government violations against religious freedom for Christians. Uh, typically, these were churches or pastors or individual Christians. And these aren't just bad policies, but these were actual incidences where a Christian was fined or jailed or um, encountered some other punishment just for doing basic things that are an extension of practicing and living out their faith. And during COVID, that even included um, holding a church services right. or attending church. Yeah, and there were a lot of pastors that were arrested in the United States, arrested because of the fact that they uh, held on to the the belief and the feeling that churches should be included in that group of essential services, but they were arrested nonetheless. You're exactly right, and this report features dozens and dozens of stories from the United States, Canada, the UK, these countries you would expect to be free and open and that embrace human rights and that uh, Christian Christianity is a part of their Western tradition. Uh, you see this slow turn towards intolerance where government officials, they really don't get or understand uh, Christianity or religion or re why religious freedom is important. And that creates a dangerous situation, especially in these um, public emergencies where governments are seizing more power. Mm -hmm. And they are, and it is happening, and it is concerning. And I think a lot of people are wondering, what is the answer? What is the solution? What can, what can churches do? What can believers do? What are you finding out that is happening in some of these other, you mentioned 34 nations comprising the West. What are some of the other nations doing to safeguard their beliefs and uh, maybe escape this persecution? Well, sadly, government officials that believe in religious freedom, they simply are not doing enough. So we are hoping that um, the findings of this report is really a call to action and a call to wake up for people that care about religious freedom. We are hoping that government officials will be more proactive in the future. We can't just wait to react to the next pandemic or public mm -hmm. emergency where religious freedom needs to be protected. We need to be protecting religious freedom now and applying safeguards that even apply in situations where there are emergencies. So we're really hoping to see more of that. And we're also hoping to continue to see Christians uh, have the strength to stand up. And even if it costs them, in the case of countless churches across the United States, especially in blue areas, sometimes it will cost them financially to hold a church service during COVID or a public emergency. But we're hoping to continue to see Christians stand. 
people that are working alongside you at Family Research Council, first of all, thank you for what you guys do there. There does seem to be an awakening happening in American people right now to this issue. And I believe there's the beginnings anyway. And I would wonder if you see this, the beginnings of a holding of accountability to some of these governmental leaders for what's gone on. Are you seeing that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think COVID actually brought a lot of this to the surface. On the negative side, it brought to the surface and uh, some of these government officials that just simply don't tolerate religious freedom or religious practice. And they don't they don't care about protecting the First Amendment right to religious freedom for Americans. But it also brought to the surface a real sense that even if persecution comes, and even as the culture strays further and further away from biblical beliefs, and in doing so really marginalizes these long-held uh, basic Christian beliefs, that the pressure is going to be turned up and we need to be ready. So there is a real sense among some of the Christian leaders that I'm talking to that Christ- Christians need to be ready for what's coming. Yeah, we do. We need to be ready. (laughs) God, help us be ready. Help us get awake. And I think that awakening is something that we need as well. Uh, You were also involved in an article that uh, deals with this thing called the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998. Tell me about that. Yeah, so a lot of people might be surprised to know that the U.S. government actually has a mandate to promote international religious freedom abroad. And there's a variety of ways we can and should be doing it. But this secondary report that you're referencing really focuses on how can the United States government do a better job promoting religious freedom through our foreign assistance programs. And this this is just what I think is common sense that uh, U.S. officials uh, need to take note of. Most of the genocides and many of the humanitarian crises around the world have to do with uh, religion and religious conflict. So we saw even during ISIS that it was a genocide against Christians and Yazidis causing some of the problems in Iraq that we now have to um, help rebuild. So we're really hoping that um, our foreign assistance officials and the State Department really takes note of the benefit that religious freedom uh, can provide around the world in some of these places where there are religious conflict, but also that we need to be paying closer attention to how we can support the persecuted in these places. Now, when we talk about the government needing to do more, and like you said, this is something that has been on the books since 1998. It's not like we are suggesting that they become more involved, but this has already been put down. It's in ink. It's there. How can they do a better job, do you think, than what they're doing right now? What are some steps they could take? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. We we have a legal mandate to prioritize religious freedom, but sadly, we've seen since the beginning of the Biden administration a real shift away from caring about religious freedom abroad to replacing it really with some of these leftist social issues, these LGBT rights, um, which the United States government does not have a legal mandate to uh, promote abroad, and really, it can cause some problems with our friends who maybe don't share these social values. Um, So 
one thing that the U.S. government can do is simply to uh, require training for their uh, State Department and uh, foreign assistance staffers on what religious freedom is, why it's important, even according to U.S. law and why it's just important generally, mm-hmm. and how it actually benefits uh, global economic growth and development, but also U.S. national security. I know that uh, you deal with this thing called U.S. aid, and it puts out like a scorecard. And we haven't done too well on that scorecard, have we? Yeah, well, I think this goes back to some of what we were talking about before. Uh, We increasingly see an illiteracy to religion and religious freedom. And so if our government officials don't understand uh, what religion means to people, especially people around the world who are much more uh, religious than people in the United States are oftentimes, we won't understand and we won't know how to interact uh, with countries around the world who do hold religious beliefs and with uh, persecuted communities, our government officials and our foreign service officers, they just, they won't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So this religious illiteracy is really dangerous, even for American foreign policy. And it's something that we really need to take a, a closer look at. What can our listeners do right now that would help this problem along the way? Well, I think something people might not be thinking about, but I always point to as one of the most important things people can do is simply to live out the religious freedom that we do have, according to law in the United States. We need to be praying in public. We need to be uh, publicly showing that our faith at work and not be hiding in fear mm-hmm. of intimidation of our coworkers. So really, we need to be taking just these practical steps, not being afraid to share our faith, uh, of living out our faith in public, uh, this idea of free exercise of religion, um, and that's going to go a long way towards protecting our religious freedom at home. And if we don't protect religious freedom at home, we are not going to be able to help the persecuted around the world. We're just not going to be. And that's really going to be devastating to all of the persecuted communities who really look to the United States as the government and the country and the people that are going to stand up for them. So we need to be protecting our religious freedom here and standing up for those abroad. You know, I think often what you're talking about is so accurate. I think of the, the those parents up in Loudoun County, Virginia, and how they stood against the school board when it was so clear that uh, their viewpoints were just not even being considered. And they did exactly what you're talking about. They began to stand up for the rights that they already have, and they refused to let those things slip out of their hands. And what a difference it made. And may uh, counties, cities, states across our United States take that as a cue and do exactly what you're talking about. Begin to live out the freedoms that we are already enjoying and don't give them up, right? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And as we begin to do this, uh, we're going to see our not the freedom of our free the space we have to speak freely and live out our faith, not shrink, but expand. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of Christians, sadly, especially those working at, at sec- large secular corporations, they're feeling increasing fear of being associated with Christian beliefs. It's going to take people to stand up and for others who might be silent Christians who aren't speaking up to really look at to them as examples of, oh, we actually can speak up and oh, even if we do get fired, it will be okay. It's going to take a lot of people standing and even some people paying the price for doing so to really turn the tide of culture to be 
to, again, become used to and embrace the idea of religious freedom. And that which you've given us is the very definition of courage, and that's what we need in this country. We need people to do it. You know, I think of the phrase that we've used for years, you can't export what you don't already have. You can't give away freedoms that we're not walking in ourselves. We need to take what we've been given and be grateful and uh, protect it, defend it. Thank you, Ariel Del Turco from FRC. That's Family Research Council for spending this time with us. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. And we're out of time. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.